They heard the voice and they shot on our side and they shot him like five times on the chest. My cousin, I was six years old and was next to me. I remember going flying, taking a plane, sitting there and getting a conversion in my hand. I was on my hand. I was like, wow, sitting there, going to the airport and thinking like, wow, David Beckham got nothing for me. I'm top of the world. Seriously, I'm the king. Then I start gambling. There was another thing. My addiction wasn't only one or two or three. It was just going on. It was it, it was alcohol. It was smoking. It was sniffing. It was gambling. It was sex. But now it's the first time I've been honest with my family and myself, most importantly. And my heart is clean. And if anything happened to me, I got no fear today. I'm blessed. Hello and welcome to 12 Steps and 12 Questions. My name is Silvio and I'm an addict. This pod is full of personal and inspirational stories of recovery from addiction. And in every episode, I'll ask each guest the same 12 questions about their life, addiction and recovery. Quick warning, there will be some graphic descriptions and a healthy amount of swearing. For this episode, please welcome Yusuf. Hello Yusuf, thank you for joining me for this episode of 12 Steps and 12 Questions. Welcome. Thank you Silvio, really appreciate it. We'll take a little bit more time for this because your story is so unusual. So could you introduce yourself, please, and tell us where you were born? And also, let's immediately go to question one, which is, did you have any adverse childhood experiences? Yes. Um, yes, my name is Yusuf. Um, I'm an addict. Yes, my I was born in East Africa, in Djibouti. And I was born in Noma, which is like, cowboy or gypsies or whatever you call it and we, we did I didn't have it but I didn't go to I haven't been in school or we didn't have an advisor and stuff like that um, yeah absolutely what is interesting is when you say that you were born in Djibouti so that's in East Africa yes. it's a poor country yes and you say that you were a nomad yeah now for the listeners who don't know what that looks like what does that look like being a nomad where do you live and what kind of, I mean, we know they're traveling people, but do, do you live in, sorry for being ignorant perhaps, but do you live in tents and do you travel a lot and did you see your mother and father a lot or not so much? Oh, good question. Um, yes, we live in a tent and that is, we, we, we travelers like a gypsy, so we, we cross to borders like we got no borders from all east africa we crossed border to somalia Ethiopia, kenya uganda you name it all that east africa you can go anywhere and you got no borders you don't need a passport or you don't need to check in once you're normal you just you just follow the rain it's when it rain is then you go there and that's how you survive and you look you got uh, cows and sheep and goats and sheep and stuff like camels and that's that's how we live, and we know that. And the weather is beautiful, so you don't need it. Like we basically we 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 live outside, and then the tennis is for the families, mother and the kids. But once you're in adult and you're like around 10, 11, then you stay outside. You got your own like what's it called? The skin of the the cameras and stuff like that. That was our bed. That's like a leather. We, like a leather. That's it. That's oh. what we use and. Uh, we made our pillow and stuff like that, so you don't need it too much because yeah, the weather is like, always warm. So we... It sounds like, quite literally, from another world. When were you born? What year? 
And I was born in 1979. So 1979. Yeah. And in your childhood, yeah. you lived in tents. Yeah. You moved around yeah. between Somalia, Djibouti, and other parts of East Africa. Yeah. You lived with sheep. You lived with goats. You lived with camels. Yeah. You slept on camel hides yeah. outside yeah. a lot of the time because the weather is good enough for that. Yeah. And how did you come to be in this country? How did you come to London? Um, yes, and what it was at uh, that time, my dad, I never, I grew up with my mother. Um, my mother, she was smart, she the one told me everything, how to live a life, how to respect people, how to move, how to survive, and everything I learned from my mom because that is, that no man is the way all, we don't write or read and stuff like that, but we pass, we pass around to the generation after generation, how life goes on. And so I go out with my mother. My dad, he was a Djibouti and he was in a French religion. So he had another family in France, wife, I got another wife in Sweden, Arabia, got another wife in Ethiopia. So I never met my dad until late teenage life, but when I was like 10 years old. Let's and slow this down just for a second. Am I right in understanding that your father had how many wives? Four wives. Four wives. Yeah, okay. my mom had three wives. Yeah. Okay, and that's just normal. That's just the way things are. That's right. Right. Okay. And he was—he was in the French Foreign Legion. Is that what? That's you're right. Yeah. Right. Okay. I see. So he's a military man. He was a military man. So right. Okay. Yeah. And you grew up with your mother. My my mother. Right. That's right. Let's go over to question one then. It's a fascinating story, of course. Did you have any adverse childhood experiences? On yes, I did because. That life we live in nomads is rough and tough. When they say, um, just for today, we just live just for today because you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. We got so many rivals, the tribes, the country fighting wars, all those countries, East Africa, they all got wars, Somalia, Ethiopia, Kenya, Sudan, and Eritrea, all those countries, there's a war going on. So wherever we cross, then we got a nomads as well, which got our tribes and rebels and stuff like that. And if you come across to some uh, some places when you travel in all those around the continent, you could come across to some dangerous places and you could get serious trouble with it. So, so we there have- There's a lot of armed conflict. Absolutely, yeah. Right. And also you got the animal as well, wild animal as well. You got lions and hyenas and wild dogs and foxes and all that will attack you animals as well so you have to be very careful so you have to be protective as well you have to have it you have to have a weapon as well when i say weapon like ak-47 or clash of corp or whatever they call it so you have to have it that uh, to protect your animal from the um, how old were you when you had a gun in your hand for the first time yes i was uh, i remember i was i was 10 years old and uh, what kind of gun was it uh, that was I. I, was, I used to have uh, AK forty seven. My uncle left. Uh, Your uncle left you an AK forty seven. Yeah, and he moved uh, the city, and he left. He left at home, and I picked it up that time. And I remember practicing. So that's a pretty normal thing to do, then. Yeah, is this, to practice with your AK forty seven. Absolutely, yeah. And then that's a way to survive as well. So when I was ten, from there on, um, I want to protect my family because I got no dad. I got no older brothers, all of them, they, you know, on our city, my dad come and take all my brothers and sisters. So I was to only stay the man in there, my mom, 10 years old, and have to protect my mom, the youngest, and also our sheep and camels and cows and pools and everything we have. 
yeah, I, I remember sleeping outside on a tent. And as soon as that sign goes down, so all animals come out. They're hunting as well. And so you're actually protecting your mother, your brothers and sisters yeah. at 10 years old yeah. with an AK-47. Absolutely. And you're protecting them from wild animals yeah. and from potentially other people with, um, with, with arms. Absolutely. And I was sleeping outside the tent. My mom was sleeping. I always heard the noise. Basically, it was the hyena just jumped in, the, came in, jumped in the pens and he grabbed one of our sheep and he just ran off with it. And my mom was like, ah, she started screaming. She was like, get him, get it. And I jumped. I was 10 years old. That's the when I was practicing. And I, I, shot, I shot the, the hyena on her leg and I saved that, um, that sheep. And it was broken arm and stuff, but it survived. It survived. And yeah, and that's the, my mom, that's the day she told me, oh, from today on, um, I can sleep safely because you can, uh, you are a man and you can protect the whole family. So, yeah, so that's how I grew up in the childhood. Did and you then, lose anybody to yes, this conflict? This conflict, yeah, I lost, we lost a lot of, lot of, lot of uh, um, fam, close family cousins. And the worst one for me was when I was six years old. The gun, the gunfire happens because there was some rivalries and something there. There's always something. So everybody disappeared and ran. So I ran with my cousin, the one that that my cousin. It was someone I looked look up to, and they heard the voice and they shot on our side and they shot him like five times on the chest. My cousin, your cousin, yeah. And I was before your very eyes when you were six years old. Yeah, I was six years old and it was next to me. And did you get shot? And as soon as I say no, the next thing all I seen like ta 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 ta. Just like a five shot score like that, put him out of his face like that. And that, that was the worst things I experienced when I was a childhood and somebody I was looking after. And I remember I couldn't stop screaming and I shout and screaming. And from there on, they stopped. I think they heard, they heard me like when I cry and, and, and I screaming and they, they stopped shooting and they ran away. So uh, he died in front of you? He, he died in front of me on my hand. I was holding like that. You were holding him? Yeah. And... Then basically, people, the old people say uh, that was his destiny. They they got different beliefs. It's like whatever happened to you, the day you were born, the day you died, they make me to believe it. This is meant to be happening the day he was born. So you got to live it with higher power. They got they got strong beliefs. So whatever happened, it happened for a reason. When your time is up, no matter what, something will happen to you, and that is for higher power signed. Mm. So it's nothing you can do about it. Mm. That was his time. He will go to heaven. The one who died, I was going to hell. That's how they believe. So you've got to believe that. As fascinating as the story is, we're slightly going off track because after all, this is a recovery podcast and your story is so brilliant. But still, I think it's time for us to slowly move to question two, which is how did you get onto drugs or otherwise? What did the moment you first got hooked, the fun times, what did that look like? So after you were you you all the travel and coming to Europe and 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 all of that, how did you get onto drugs? Yeah, uh, the drugs. I remember the Paris time when Paris era people doing it chat in Djibouti. They call it chat. It's like a leaves. I don't know if you heard East African. They eat, they chew you chew and it's like a leaves like look like a salad. It's called a chat. That's what the Djibouti eat people and it make you high. I tried that one. That was my first. How old were you? And I was like about 12. It was fast and it was like, it was the past I got, it was madness. 
So coming here, but I had you enjoyed it. It gave me a buzz. I was buzzing around like my head, which was like wow. I'm, I'm. It gave me dreams and stuff like, and I really enjoyed it. So before I even started, when I heard it, weed, alcohol stuff, I just could. I just want to try everything before I die. I used to say that to my young. I, I want to try. I want to smoke weed. I want to smoke. I want to have a drink and stuff like that, but I will stop it after that. But I just want to try everything. I want to go every country. I want to travel around because everything was so exciting for me. So this, my friend, he told me, well, you want to try a joint? He passed me one day, the first joint I had. I smoked that day, I remember. I couldn't stop laughing. It was fun. I never laughed so much like that. I was just on the floor. I was, everything he said, it was just funniest things I've ever I didn't carry on from that day. Uh, a couple of months later, then we went another party, and this time there is a girls. I love girls. I try again. Everybody laughing. We on the same mood. In in, in language, I, I didn't have a shame. I didn't have a shy. I was like everything was like even the way I was speaking before. I was shy a little bit. Maybe I'm saying in bad words, but this. I just get confidence. I was like, bam, bam, bam. I was like, I speak English perfect and touch. I understand everything people saying in I wasn't understanding, but I was thinking I was understanding everything. So it gave me confidence so I can speak anything I want. It was the best time and I had the best time that time and I really, really enjoyed smoking and I used to love and then hip hop music and stuff like that, rap and hip hop two back. I used to act like I was two back wearing a bandana and baggy jeans and oh I was thinking, like, people called me two-back. I used, to, I used to get compromised. I was like, yes. I, I basically, I thought I was a two-back. And I was just, I just did, I didn't want to stop it. Then I moved to London again. Then staying in London again and ended up in Brixton. I saw all, like, West Indian, but, like, Jamaican and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, what you say? What go on this? And it was just amazing. And all the while you were oh, smoking, were you taking any other drugs? Were you drinking? No. It was only from the beginning. It, I started, even the alcohol, I started a bit late time, late teenage. And that time I was only smoking weed. And I thought, oh my God. When I see people know, I'm like, why do you smoke that? I was like, you don't know what you're missing. This is the best thing ever. What happened when I first started to get a full-time job here in London? And there was a that was like about early 2000s. That's the when I first time hooked up from the alcohol. This time is my best time. I'm smoking weed. I'm, life is exciting for me. When we drink, I get more fun. I, I'm dancing. I do dance floor. I go no embarrassing, no shame. It's just like everything. It's just it's beautiful life. And at the same time, I'm traveling as well. Every couple of weeks, I'm going to Paris, come back. I go to, I'm showing off all the girls. I'm, I'm going to Eagles Mouth. Like, yes, I go people around the world. I can go there. All those countries I went. I use it and I make more friends and I get confident in every language I go there. I start, I feel like I understand. I feel, I feel like I, was, I speak Dutch, Swedish. I went to Sweden, I stayed a couple of months. I'm mixing with the Swedish people. I'm working at IKEA in Sweden and I'm chilling there. A couple of months later, I feel like I was speaking um, Swedish perfect because I went better. I get in confidence everywhere I go and come back and I was, I speak Swedish. I speak Flemish. Because I was in Brussels, I learned, I speak French, I speak, but I'm only surviving those 
it's not even I don't even speak one of them in in good. It's just about to survive to buy my uh, to uh, to understand my dealers. <laughs> so you're smoking, you're drinking. I'm drinking. I'm, you're traveling a lot. You're having a great time. I'm having a great time and everything is so good and. I got girlfriend, I got cars, I'm getting mortgage here a little bit. I would just get in the egos. I would just like, oh, I'm top of the world. I'm going to the everywhere I go. Like, you want to come to Paris? Come. I invite your friends and family there. I got hooked up in a Formula One from there on. I start loving Formula One. I'm watching Formula One. I'm obsessed with it. I'm going to the races. Many countries in Europe, I'm watching a Formula One, which is kind of expensive as well, spending my rent money and anything. To just could get there to show off and get a picture of some Facebooks and look where I am. Watch me. I'm top of the world. From no man to somewhere. And yeah, from there on, that I could carry on like a year after year goes by. I'm getting addicted to it. I'm, I'm becoming like, a, it became like, a, it used to be like a fun time, but now it became like every day more. The drinking. The, the drinking. Then some of my friends introduced to me first time in a sniff again. When I started sniff, it was the going holiday when I go to Spain or France or other countries with. What did you sniff? And uh, cocaine. Cocaine. That's the way I get hooked up with the cocaine. And I saw girls and cocaine and everything. It was beautiful. Sex, it was beautiful. Life, it was the fun, the alcohol. I, can't, I don't even get drunk. Once I get a couple of lines, I just can't drink more and stay drunk. The confidence. I got more confidence I never had in my life. I was like, any language you come, I was like, if I go to China, I would understand. I will speak Chinese after one week. <laughs> that's how that's that, that was my head. If I go to China, I will I will survive in China. Forget about anything. If I made it in nomad, I would make it in China. I live all those countries. I smoke. I sniff. I speak. So nobody can tell me nothing. So you feel top of the world, really. Top of the world. I will, I remember going flying, taking a plane to. America or somewhere and America or Europe and sitting there and getting a conversation in my hand and split from my hand. I was like, wow, sitting there, going to the airport and thinking like, wow, David Beckham got nothing for me. I'm top of the world. Seriously, I'm the king of nomad. <laughs> Blazing. Yeah. And that's what it took me. That's that's my fun time. And yeah. So let's come then obviously to Question three, which is, what were your worst consequences? And finally, your rock bottom. So here you are, you think you're better than David Beckham. Right. Top of the world, king of the world. You're traveling all over the place. You're doing a lot of cocaine. You're drinking lots. You can speak any language if you had a little bit of coke and a few drinks. That's right. Right? Yeah. And then the consequences came. And what were the worst ones? On. Um, I didn't there. So from that being at the top of the world, then I start gambling. There was another thing. My addiction wasn't only one or two or three. It was just going on. It was it, it was alcohol. It was smoking. It was sniffing. It was gambling. It was sex. It was just it just non-stop. It was just, I was just going on and on and on and more. I add on another one, more I get worse. Everything I do, I do too much. If I travel, I wanna I, I wanna travel every couple every month. If I use uh, weed, I wanna I'm using a maximum sniff. Same thing. Gambling, I win. I went addicted. I think the when my when everything is changed when I start gambling. 
If you're enjoying this podcast and would like other addicts and alcoholics to hear it, then please make the pesky AIs and algorithms work their 12th step. Hit like and subscribe. I just want to be rich overnight because I've done everything. I just want to be rich overnight. That's it. I became lazy. I just want to have money. I'm hanging around people got more money than me. I got I got little studio flower. I got more. If I got little things, now I'm I'm coming in mini. I'm mini playing everything. I'm lying. I'm everything became bullshit from gambling. If I got one thousand pound, I tell people I got hundred thousand man. I got studio flower. I got big house. I got, I got I got mortgage man. You don't have that. I'm no man. I got mortgage. It just like. It just became lying and lying and manipulating and everything because of the gambling. Because I'm losing and I'm getting angry myself and I start getting angry with everybody around me. Start pushing my friends, my family, everything. I get angry because I could I could not accept it. I'm losing, but I was losing badly, slowly but slowly. From the beginning, it was funny the gambling, going to the casino, seeing celebrity people winning. Like from the beginning, welcome me, winning a lot of money for taking it. Hundred pound and winning like a ten thousand pound. Next day going back, trying to double up and lose everything, and it just chaos. My life it became in chaos from that gambling. So slowly by slowly, I start getting isolated. I start getting stressed out. I start getting serious depression. I start I start getting angry with my family, with my friends. All the fun I had, all the friends used to come to my house and every day like a party. They couldn't come because I'm broke. I can't. I have to lie. I have to survive again and do different ways. Yeah, I remember. I remember I was, I became powerless. And I remember the day I was, I got enough money. Like, I think I had like about 3,700, I remember. And I was going and I was going to Sweden seeing family. My mama, she was there. And my brothers and sisters. And I called them and said, I'm coming today, tomorrow morning. Pick me up. They waiting me in the airport at nine o'clock in the morning in Stockholm. And I left. I left home in the evening. Around twelve o'clock, in the midnight, I called them. I said to them, "I got my ticket and everything. I got three thousand and a half. I said to them, "Listen, I'm coming tomorrow morning. Pick me up from the the Stockholm airport." Say, "All right, fine, good." I'm on a taxi going to the airport, and I just I just look at the time and say, "I'm a bit too early. Take me to the casino." Hippodrome, Leicester Square. I went there. I remember losing every penny I had. And imagine I had, I booked my working place. I left. I was going to Sweden, and then I went to the casino. I left everything. I booked one, two. I think it was two weeks and a half working place. All that area where I live, everybody knows me. I said to everybody, I'm traveling, I'm going to Sweden, Amsterdam, Paris. I'm not going to come back a couple of weeks, all my friends. I lost every penny I had. How uh, did you feel that day? That day, I feel it. I lost a lot of times before that. But that's the worst thing. I, like, I feel sick. I came out, I didn't even know where to go left or right. I got no electric, I got no gas, come going back home and you got absolutely nothing. I bought, I can't go back to work, I got no money. I lost everything I had. I go back home and I feel so embarrassed, I feel ashamed. 
I can't go back to work, but I can't see no one. I can't even go to the shop in you know, off license because I told them I'm not coming back for a couple of weeks. My friends, I switched off my phone. I, I didn't even call my family. And what I did it all day, I stay at home. I hide myself. And at night time, as soon as the sun goes down, I go back, I go to the casinos because I go more hustlers and more other people too, so I can hustle up there. That's where I lost my money. And I had already, we go, little crew, whoever winning, it will give you some money. And then you, your turn, you have, we, we help each other. There was, there was people like, there's always like. So a little group of gamblers. Gamblers. And so, you were helping each other out. So if somebody had lost all the money they had, yeah. somebody else would give you a few yeah. hundred pounds or 50 yeah. pounds or yes. whatever. Yes. So that you could continue gambling. Gambling. Or you could swipe on the next day when you're turning, then you do the same thing. And you they have lost everything. Yeah. And then you give them some. That's right. So that they can continue gambling. Yeah. Okay. I, I remember that night I went home when I lost everything, my flat cancel and everything. I went home, I stayed in that night. All day I stayed in, in and then next day, I went back to, in the evening time, I went back to the casino, same when I lost. I saw one of my friends winning a lot of money. I said to him, listen, I explained to him, I lost everything. I was supposed to be in Sweden today. And hook me up, you got a couple of grand, just give me 500 pound, I will make that money back. And then I look after you when I come back or when I get paid. He said, fine, he gave me 500 pound. I sat next table, I won exactly the same money I lost. That was the next day. I call my family and say there's something happened. I bullshit, I lie. I'm coming tomorrow. So you I'm, lied, you told them that everything's okay, really? It's all, everything is fine. But this time tomorrow I'm coming. I went home, I booked a ticket next day. I'm drinking, I'm sniffing. I go, I call another girl, like a strange girl. She's chilling with me, a couple of people. I'm gonna take everything. In the morning time, I, I, I still go greedy. I, want, I went back to the casino again. I just want to make a little bit more money. Like, I think it was hundred pounds or something like that. I want to make the hundred pound. I lost everything again. For the second time? Second time. And you're still supposed to go to see your family in Us Sweden? in Sweden. They're all waiting for me second time. After you've already let them down once? Yeah, the second time they're still waiting for my sister. In this time, yeah. when this is happening, yeah. Did you have any time where you think to yourself, what am I actually doing here? This is madness. Did you have a moment like this? Mm, I do, but I'm thinking I'm still all right. I, I'm still like, I, I can't get through it because I, that time when I got the money, I'm just thinking about winning. There is no consequence. There is no way. There's no negative. I'm positive. I'm going to win it. I'm top of my game. But when I lose, I became like a cat. It's just like the whole everything is just shut down. But I can't stop it. I'm powerless. That's only why, like, well, th this is happening. I traveled to Las Vegas in America. I was Las Vegas. Soon as I got off, I see like all the lighting. Imagine I'm in America, how far it is. And I, I just went to the casino. I lost everything. I'm in transit. I called my family still. My brother, I'm in a play. Can you send me some money, please? I won't, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it back. All it just constantly, just non-stop. From there on, I got serious depression. I just got cycle. I get any more alcoholic. 
because I'm losing more every time I get angry, I want to get more drunk to forget it. But you don't forget it, you get worse. I want to sniff more, I want to smoke more, I want to drink more. Oh, it's like a vicious circle, really, right? You keep losing, and when you lose, you want to get drunk or high, yes. and then you get drunk or high, and then you want to gamble more to make it back. Back. Chasing. I, yeah. I was just chasing. Chasing. Day. And from there on, things got bad to worse. I started not paying my bills, started losing my house, started losing friends, families. Everybody slowly disappeared. I became in my own. All I have to do from now on, I just get drink, I go home and I get drunk. And I go out and I gamble my own. Everything I have to do because I can't lie no more. I can't manipulate. Everybody's gone. Nobody will believe you. It's only matter of the time when everybody knows. They get fed up. But I'm still, I'm thinking I'm going to come back. What was your rock bottom like then? So what took you to the rooms? My rock um, was the day my mama died. Right. When my mama died, she was. I was already. I was already. I was already like. I was giving up already. I was serious. I was serious in trouble. But I still, I love my mom. My mama, she was everything to me. She's the one raised me all the way to nomad. To here and every time I was, whatever happened to me, I have to see once a year or twice to visit my mom. And I was, my mama, she was kind of higher power for me. And so, even when you were, were when you were in the middle of addiction with gambling, with cocaine, weed. alcohol, and weed and everything, your mother was very important to you and you kept visiting her and you kept that thing up. That is the only promise I, I kept all my life. Like, just no matter what situation I'm in, I will pick up that phone and I will call my mom. Mom, are you okay? Yes, I'm fine, everything. But my mom knew there was something going on, something wrong with me. But she couldn't help. She mm. even told me, stop working, get help, come and stay with us, come to Sweden, France, Belgium, any other family, stay with it, stay and take time off. Because you're not making no money. Because she realized I'm struggling financially. But she don't know what's going on. I'm not telling my addiction, but they know. They don't leave it with me. They don't know exactly what's going on. But they, she knows, she's my mom, and she knows there's something going on. But when I call her, I'm loud, I'm drunk. When I go everything, I weed and drink and I sniff and I'm hyped up, I'm laughing. I'm millimeter in Mom, everything's perfect. I'm just a little bit There's A lot of things going on. Soon everything's going to be perfect. I'm coming. No matter how long it took me, six or five or seven, um, I mean, month or two or three months, four months, five months, I will still go and visit my mom. Hmm. With and the then your mother book. passed. Yeah. And so when my mom passed, that was my rock bottom. And that is the way the world ends. I just sat down that day. I remember I was smoking, I was drinking. I didn't even get past no more. I would, that was a shock. It was end of the world, I was like, I didn't know what happened. I was talking to her a couple of days and I wasn't there, I was here. She went to Africa for for holiday, Ethiopia, and she get cancer and she couldn't make, she didn't make it back. So that's the way I say, I got to change. Mm. Did you ever 
And this is question four. At your worst, in your worst moments, did you ever want to die? Did you consider suicide? Yes, that's the time. That's the day my mama died. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to live. But I didn't want to kill myself, okay? Because that is not what my mama raised me. She told me you can never kill yourself. Only God can kill you in your own time. Right, you will you never kill yourself, only God can kill you. Yeah, in your own time. If you do, you burn in hell. From young age, my mom always used to say that. Don't ever kill nobody and don't ever kill yourself. That is for higher power's job. So you, you just live, no matter what situation you are, you have to keep coming back, keep getting up. And I didn't want her to die. At the same time, I didn't want to leave, but I didn't want to kill myself. And because what my mom, I want to, when my mama died, I want to pray for my mom, my mother, and I need to stop what I was doing, that situation I was in, and pray for God. And that's the first time I believe in, then I'm, I'm going to die anytime. That's, that's the first time I have a, and I just think about before that, my head was too busy. I forgot even death. I thought I was living for life. And I would things, I would just go and I was just moving fast. I was just, I want to get this, I want to get that. I want. But when your mother died, yeah. you realized you wanted to change. Absolutely. You had to change. I have to change. You didn't want to die, but you also didn't want to live. Yeah. You had nowhere else to go. Absolutely. Um, from there on, I was... It was whole, the whole, the whole world. It just, it just for me. It was just everything was complete. That's the way the turnover. I was just everything has changed. And which brings us neatly to question five. What other methods did you try to get sober before finding the rooms? Did you try anything else to 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 be sober? Did you try it by yourself? And yes, I did. I did try many times by myself. And every time I promised myself, and I said, tomorrow I'm not going to do it. I'm gonna stop because of my mom. I'm gonna stop drinking. I'm gonna stop sniff. I'm gonna stop smoking. I'm gonna stop sniffing. I'm gonna stop doing everything. And I get absolutely blacked out and I wake up and I went to work the next day. Soon as I finished at five o'clock, I, I was in off license, very corner shop. I would start calling the same dealer. I was like, do you have some? I just get more blackout. I did the same thing. I went there, I was praying, I said, please God help me. Because I was only praying when I needed something. So I just, I prayed to death. And I was like, tomorrow, that was it. Tonight is the last day. Get up in the morning, hang over, exhausted, go to work, finish five o'clock. I'm doing exactly the same. I'm in the same of last night's show. I've got same dealer. I got, I'm doing exactly, I'm sitting in the same spot. I'm listening to same music, everything. I could not stop myself. I was... I was just powerless, totally powerless. And then you came into into the rooms. I believe you went to rehab. Yes. Yes. That is the first time when I when I realized I'm a powerless. And somehow, um, I think I was a higher power came for because there's no other way. It's the first time, and I just think about one day I would just I try everything and I couldn't do it, and I say. Basically, I, I, I went, I've been hospitalized a couple of times, alcohol poison and overdose. 
So from there on, they I get some advice. I tell me, well, have you tried rehab? You need to tell your doctor because this is no good. Soon you're gonna die. The one day because you last couple of months you've been you've been visiting more after the hospitals. You end up one. I didn't even know how I end up. And so you find yourself in hospital. Yeah, without knowing. You were in a blackout, and then you find yourself in hospital. That's right. And um, there was a time I got sick as well, and I, I mixed a lot of alcohol, I sniffed a lot, and smoked a lot, and I was serious depression as well. And yes, uh, in the hospital they said they the hospital they they advised me to get some help. Um, they basically signed my doctor. The doctor called me, said to me, yeah, and. I heard you have a serious problem because we're drinking a lot. You've been a couple of times in the hospital. And I booked your appointment. Can you come and see me? And there was a lady who was from South London. And I went to Fizzy. And that's the first time ever I went there. And I'll be honest with my doctor. Because I was desperate. I just needed help. But I didn't know how to ask for help. Now, when you came into rehab and into the rooms... Did you struggle with the word God, which is our sixth question? Yes, I did. Even though I, when I grow up and my mama, everybody where I came from, people, they religious, while you Christian or Jewish or, or Muslim, everybody, they have a beliefs. I never heard on a growing up like a, what do you call it, Atheist. Atheist. I never heard anything, but everybody, they have something to believe. They go, everybody believe in higher power, basically. But for me using at that time, I forgot what higher power meant. My higher power was drug, was alcohol, was sniff, was smoke, girls, anything. When I got everything, I got everything. I got no God, I don't I believe. So I really, I really struggled to believe in God at that time. I wasn't praying, I wasn't meditating. If anybody told me, I was, I was even basic. I was angry, I was angry with God. You were angry with God, yes? Yes, I was, because every time things go wrong and I gamble, if I lose, if anything happened, I was playing with God like, I, I, I was using F word, God like, it's not existing in my side, because this is what happened. Yeah, this it's what something it that I've experienced as well, when I was out there using and drinking and, he said, everything that went well was to my credit. It's because I did it well, yes. right? Everything that Absolutely. went well, surely must have been because I did it well. That's yeah. Right. And everything that went badly was God's fault. Absolutely. You know, and then I complained he would not do anything for me. Absolutely. You know, this is the way I experienced it at the time. So it's very similar. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, when somebody, it's the people as well. I was playing with ever with God. With my family, imagine my brothers or my sisters. Somebody called me and they just want to say hi to me, and I'm getting really pissed off. They just want to ask me how I'm doing, but I'm thinking because I lost. I'm thinking it's therefore they're gonna ask me how I'm doing. Why are you asking me? What's your business? It was just anger. Then God. Then I really struggled when I first came to the rooms. Believe in a God. When they told me this hype, I was like, Ah, oh, no, please don't tell me God, man. God didn't do nothing for me. Until when I got to the room and I went to the meetings, and first time when I went to meetings, I didn't, I, I didn't get straight away. I was really judging man. I was just judging everybody where they were, how they look. When I first went to, I, I went to places and I was like, there's no, 
it was hard for me to be accepted, even though I nearly held, but I didn't accept I was powerless. I knew how the depression, but I didn't know what depression, I didn't understand anything about it. I was a no man, I never be I got different mentality, different things. I listen to other people and never register anything they saying to me. And I don't want to listen as well. I just go into the rehab, it was for me, it was just get sober, go back to work, I do what I was doing best. Go and see my family, I haven't seen for a while, travel around, get married, stop alcohol and drink, pray for my mom. That, that was just do my own way. But coming there and going to the meeting and meeting the other people addict and being honest and be open up, it took me almost three months to be honest, even the rehab. I sat down and first when I went to the meeting and I see people sharing and stuff like that, I went to the NA and I heard somebody who shared, I think it was last night, and I was the same when I went to NA, I was, people were talking about crack, heroin. And they were talking about something else. And I'm just sitting down and I was like, because I'm from South and I see the people, heroin and I was thinking it's the people living in the, the park or people sit outside the supermarket. And I used to give change and stuff like that. And I thought I was better than that. And I remember first day when I shared back, I said to them, I never use a crack. I never use heroin. I just say, oh, I would just say opposite everything the chair says. Because I was thinking I was better and I was really, really judgmental and I was I didn't understand nothing. And I look around and I see people, I was like, oh, they know, there's not a lot of people look like me, there's no people. I think I'm better at that one, looking at there's people naughty and that, that, and that. It would just, it just took me a while to understand. And then more I go to meetings, the more I understand people. And more I understand people, how they, the feeling is, the thing, I was like, there's something there. Then I went to CA, then I went... Hey, hey, and I start related to everything they say when they got alcohol, when they drank, when they disappeared, the family, the feeling, the depression. I was like, wow. And those people, they doing well now. They got nice cars, they got nice clothes. There's a nice girls up there. He just brought me, I was like, no, I'm not better than this is where I belong. These people, they talking, they talking my language now. I remember I went, going, went back to the rehab and I was telling my counselor and I was like, oh my God, now. I just remember everything I was hiding. I start opening up, I start saying more, I start talking about getting confidence, I start getting talking about nomad. I never used to talk about nomad, no one. About your nomad life. In my nomad life. I never ever, even my friends, they never knew. Because I thought that was a weakness. Because where I came from is a weakness. People mm. they they oh nomad because you don't know nothing. Yeah. And people wouldn't understand. That they won't they won't understand what yeah. nomad. So I was like, no, people, I didn't want to share it because if I share it, nobody going to relate it to me. Nobody will understand what I'm, what I'm talking about. Nobody in the rooms even have an idea or been, they don't even know where I'm from, where Djibouti or where I come from or no man. Don't even know where Djibouti is? Yes, absolutely. That's the thing. And I'm just thinking like, what's the point of sharing it? I'm just sat there, I just take what I want and I just leave. More I get a counselor and everything and they start hearing the counselor came up to me, Frankie and... Still, they like, you too. I start opening up my, my council, uh, Mary, and they say, the stuff we're hearing from you, your background, how you grew up and everything, is fascinating. Please keep talking about this stuff. Let it go. Because I was, I kept it inside and it was killing me on the side. I couldn't move on. I couldn't share it. The day I opened up, that's what my life has changed. The first day when I went, the, I was there, and I said, I'm a Yusuf and I'm an alcoholic. 
or I'm addict. I'm thinking like, really, am I? Then have to accept it. Then we do step one, two, three in a rehab. And then I do that one and she explained it to me and she told me, probably you don't get it. Do you want me to explain you in French? What, what language you want to understand? And I did a couple of times they repeat for me. And I have to go to Shakur, my younger brother, and explain it to me a lot of things. And soon as I got a powerless, and I say, hi, I'm Yusuf and I'm an addict. That is the day I accepted. And I was like, wow, I think my life is going to change now. Which brings us to the next question, question seven. How do you experience your higher power today? Because you're sober, you've made contact, there is a higher power working in your life. How do you experience it? I experience blessing and peace of mind. And yeah, and I'm so glad I did it. And Today I pray for my mother, which I, will, I love most anything, and and I pray for myself and my family and the people who are same experience and still out there. And yeah, um, I go absolutely today. I don't need money, anything. I'm just blessed to be believing high power and I'm waking up in the morning. I'm praying again, having a peace of mind and. Be happy. I'll be grateful what I got here today. So a lot uh, of gratitude. And lo- I got a lot of gratitude today. A lot of gratitude. And it's absolutely a life change for me. And if I even die today, I'm the happiest man. Which I, before I used, I used, when I used to pray, I used to pray, please God, after when I come back. And I do, before I do great things and be honest and everything. Don't, don't take my life away. But now it's the first time I've been honest with my family and myself, most importantly, and people around me. And I'm doing the right thing and my heart is clean. And if anything happened to me, I got no fear today. I'm blessed. So peace of mind. Yeah. Calmness in yourself. Yeah. Peace in your heart, you said. Absolutely. And no fear. Yeah. Amazing. Question eight. Which part of the steps were the most difficult for you? Mm. That's a good question. First, I was unmanageable, but powerless. I was powerless. So step one was step the most one. important. And the step most difficult. One. And most difficult was step one. Okay, so step next. one, which part? So step one being two steps really, or two, two parts to step one, which is there's the admission of powerlessness and that our lives had become unmanageable. Was it the admitting that you're an addict or recognizing the chaos, Rick, recognizing the unmanageability or both? Both, but more importantly, recognizing I was unmanageable. Right. My life became unmanageable because of my addiction and the way I behave and the way I was thinking and the whole combination, it was, my life became unmanageable. To accept that and say that I'm an addict and my life is unmanageable. That is the time my my superiority started. Yeah. And Do I you was, think that it was so difficult for you to admit this? Yes. 
absolutely I didn't accept. If anybody you told me and you gave me anything over me and you say you are powerless, Yusuf, or or you unmanageable, I will never ever accept that. I will get pissed off all day with you. I will get resentment. Right. Yeah, because Apo, I was on top of the. Apo, I was still control. Because you, did you felt that you were still in control? That you too good. Yeah, I was. To I was too, yeah, I was too good. I was too normal to, to, to go. To, to David go Beckham. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm still I could come with David Beckham. That's what Apo in my head. No matter, even though if I'm losing or no pro, I will come back again. I will come back up, because I go strong mentality, and nothing's gonna scare me. And if I go through for no though. This little things I will come back for me. So, I'm so because your I'm, life was so unusual and so difficult in parts. Yes. Right from being what was it a six year old who sees his cousin die. Yeah. Yeah. From protecting your family for your mother and your your brothers and sisters from when you were ten years old with an AK forty seven. You're thinking I'm coming back from this. Yes. Yeah. This isn't bad enough for me. Absolutely. So that was. The most difficult step for you? 100%. Wow. Question nine. Which character defects give you most trouble today? That was, I would say, pride. I was too pride and, and arrogant. Pride and arrogance? Yes. Hmm. Pride, I was, I was too pride. I was just from being at that childhood where I, where I came from and all that, always everything I do was like, Yusuf, you're a top man. Yeah. You're a top boy. You're good. Everything. I was, I was people pleasing, I, I would say. Yes. Especially on my family side. So everything I do, I make happy my mom, my dad, my brothers, people I'm around, even friends. I never used to get criticized like, oh, you, you don't know this, you don't, you can't do this. Even though I was a nomad and I, I don't speak any language, even my own language perfect. I only speak to survive everything. Six, seven languages, I only survive, mm. including my language. And everything, I was, I, was just, I was just manipulating. I will get what I want. I will make you happy however you want. I will I will talk to you however you want me to talk or whatever I want me to dress or how I will behave. But later on, when I go outside, I do my own thing, go my own plan and thing, stuff. So... For that reason, I never used to have a like. When I heard people like saying, "Oh, wow, I used to get bullied when I was younger. I was this, this. I was confident. I was the confidence. I don't know where I get it from. I can't even. Sometimes I said, I was like, see anybody get confident? I didn't even know I was a short man. Sometimes I don't even feel like my brother would say that to me. I feel like I'm a big man. I will. I, I used to try, I challenge anybody because I'm just thinking like, oh, where I came from. If you are a man, you are a man. That's it. You can do everything." So in your head, you're taller than you think you are. Uh, oh, yes. So in your head, you're taller than you actually are. I'm a biggest guy. I, could, I think I, you can't beat me. It's just these things. I don't know what I get from my egos. And even going to the rehab, they were surprised. They were like, we never seen short men. Like, you don't scare big people. Man. I don't give a fuck. You come out. I challenge everybody. I just don't scare anybody. I don't fear. It just it's something like my child probably. I'm just like maybe because I had an AK for it. Some people fear me. And we don't, I don't scare even big man if you challenge me. I, I, I put that, I, I just come back, I just put you on. And it's like, listen, don't fuck with me, man. But for serious, you don't know me. I, I will manipulate in some ways and I will, I will stand my foot. You're not going to walk on my shoes. Hmm. And my brother once, I remember he talking, and I was in France a while ago, and 
something like that we spoke about and he said, my brother, he never even think it's a show. Yusuf, you don't scare nobody and he think he's clever than anyone. And it's, but I like the way you live your life. You can't so, yeah. Yeah. so, so yeah, anyway. Pride, pride, pride. and arrogance, which is the same, yeah. which is related, of course. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And of course, I suppose, if pride is one of your biggest problems, then accepting that you're an addict in your step one is particularly difficult. 100%. Yeah. That is what took me a while to accept mm. who I was, what I do, and all the trouble, all the bad stuff, I did it. I could not accept it because I'm too good for that. I got reputation. My family knows me. My friends knows me. Mm. You don't know me. You can't tell me I'm powerless because you don't know what I did. Yeah. I live in the past. Yeah, yeah. It's not what I'm doing today, but it's what I've done and what I'm capable of doing. Yeah. So for that reason, I'm I'm not powerless. I could go there. I could work anywhere. I never had a... I used to even joke my friends. I say, like, there's a two things I'm not even worried about, like, without job or without girlfriend. Yeah. So for that reason, I'm too confident. So I'm too good to be uh, powerless. Powerless is for losers. Yeah. But of course you were powerless. Absolutely. But today I understand um, I was the most powerless person in the, in the world. Yeah. 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 And I accept it. Question 10. What's the best thing recovery has given you? Well, again, I would say peace of mind. Um. Uh, yeah, it's the first time I start caring and being honest with myself, most importantly. Honest with my family, my friends, and and got connection with God. And I just want to again believe in God and I sleep in peace of mind. With no medication, with no with not getting a blackout, with not dreaming too much and being a self pity or greedy and anything. And I just go to peace and I'm like, I just do what I can today. And I just leave it with God the rest and deal with the higher power. And inshallah. Inshallah. And that's, yeah, inshallah. That's, and that's the most important God and I got it from me. And that is a blessing. You can't buy that. I couldn't buy when I had a lot of money or anything or any, any other. Nothing come close to it. So, yeah, I'm blessed today. And um, I pray every moment for higher power to helping me until the day I die and yeah and I'm glad for myself and my family and be also people helping me all the way through there and the fellowships and the stuff I learned from the state work and including people like you helping me the state 12 and yeah all those things it's just life changing for me and yeah I'm glad I did that and I hope other people are just yeah, I pray for them. I hope they, any newcomer or people like the newcomer, they just give it, give it a go, just give it a chance because we have got nothing to lose. And yeah, and Which is exactly what question 11 is about. What would you say to a newcomer or to someone wondering if they're an addict? Yeah. Um, if you are a newcomer and you're struggling, it just, first I would say, ask for help. Because for me, it took me a while. I didn't know how to ask for help, and that kills me. And it took me a long time because I was too bright to ask for help. It's not embarrassing, 
It's the best thing in life and it, it saved my life. If you're struggling and you're out there, ask for help, be honest, and just give a chance yourself, just once. You've got nothing to lose. Just do, get a sponsor, do the 12 steps, go to the meetings, get commitment, and just, you've been there, or I've been there for 30 years on the street. But if you give you one year, I'm sure, even if you don't believe me, just have a, give it a go and you will see that your life will turn over. And you not only the drugs, but on a life on life term, like you're learning how to deal with the other problems in yourself, the other people, your family, relationships. That book covered everything. I could not believe it. Just one book saved millions of people in the world. And it just really, it's so relatable. Mm. I came from Norman, and I can't believe it. if Norman made it, anybody can do it. If I can do it, anybody can do it. I believe it. anyone in the world can do it, can relate it to what that blue big book says. And if you don't believe me, just go and give it a go. I've got nothing to lose, and you will experience something you've never seen in your life, and you will cover and it'll give you peace of mind. Beautiful. Last question, Yusuf. What do you want your higher power to say at the pearly gates? Oh, that's a big question, Ivan. That's a good question. And I just want to thank high power helping me to go through all the hard work and being, being so bad and done all that bad things. And I just pray for God to get me a better place. And I promise I will I will keep going, doing the right things at the day I die on. I hope higher power forgive me everything, bad things I've done to my family, my loved ones, my friends, my girlfriends, my relationships, and all the lies, all everything I did and bad things I've done in the past. Forgive me. Um, so you hope? I'm hoping, yeah. They will say to you, you are forgiven? Yes. And I think everyone, it will, it will, because if it, I believe it will, high power, we believe in it, even no matter. If you do the right thing and you die like that and your heart is clean and you want to continue, then you earn, you will go better place. Thank you, Yusuf. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for coming around and being my guest on 12 Steps and 12 Questions. Shokran. You're welcome. Thank you for having me today. It's be, oh, I really appreciate you. And yeah, God bless you. And I'll leave it there. We've come to the end of this episode. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed it and would like other addicts and alcoholics to hear it, then please make the pesky AIs and algorithms work their 12th step. Hit like and subscribe. While this pod is based on the 12th step recovery program, it's not officially affiliated with any 12th step fellowship. 12 Steps and 12 Questions is not substance or behavior specific, it's fully self-supporting and not-for-profit. And you know this next bit. It's not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization or institution. It does not wish to engage in any controversy and it neither endorses nor opposes any causes. 